This conversation was recorded on March 19, 2016. Well, today I have three topics in one. That's like five questions in one. This is like that, but better. It seems like you're pulling a lot of this kind of thing on me now. It's kind of just one topic, but I feel like there's a couple different things inside of it. And it's The nice part about this is that I've learned, you know, we've done, we've done like 90-ish. Yeah. Yeah, what have you learned? I've learned to circumvent and circumlocute the thing if I don't, if I don't really like the subject. We'll see. We'll find out here by the end of this show if we're talking about what I'm about to bring up, whether or not you've liked the subject or not. And the listener can carefully notice whatever circumlocution I exercise here. Well, at least you're getting some exercise. All right. So three topics. I feel like it's really two topics, but maybe even just one topic. But and something I've been thinking about in the last week or so is vows. So here's the three vows: topics. vowing, swearing, and oathing. You know, of course, you're not. See, you're you're throwing this right down the right down the pipe here. Oh yeah, you like this one? Well, I have to. You know, I have to deal with these things all the time because of weddings. Right. You're a. You know, people ask a, me to uh, solemnize their wedding. A solemnizer. Yeah, and you know the vow thing comes up. The vow thing does come up. Yeah. So first, let's start with. I'm going to. And then you, I'm in court enough to know about the oathing problems. You're in court a lot. Yep. And uh, you swear all the time. So, yeah, yeah. Well, so let me tell you what I think I of these. Don't swear, particular. But, yeah, <laughs> the, that was a little the, the, tongue in cheek. Of course, swearing is not. You know, we've we you by that you mean curse. Yeah, cursing. Yeah. Yes, not we've changed the word a bit. Just vulgarity. There's right. a difference. Swearing. Well, first of all, let's let's define terms a little bit. So, sure. Um, I look at swearing and oathing as the same thing. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, and this is where you basically call upon some higher power in order to validate your statement to somebody. Yes. So if I'm not believable and you say, well, I don't believe you. I say, well, I swear to God or I swear on this. Uh, yeah. Where you should say more I, like that's your problem. I, yeah. I take an oath on this Bible or whatever it is. Mm-hmm, my mother's grave or all these exactly. statements. Yeah. Now, vowing seems to be a little bit different. Yes, it um, is. Because it is seems like you are speaking directly to God, whereas when I oath, it's for your sake. But when I vow, it's between me and God. Uh, is that a well, fair Well, a, a vow is a pledge between you know, in the sight of God to do something. Is it in the sight of God or is it to God? Both. It could be either. It could be either. Okay. Um, a wedding vows. Wedding Those vows. are not to God. Those are to one another in the sight of God. Okay. When I see the vowing in the scriptures, um, it seems like it's always to God. And I, I hesitate to say always because I haven't done a thorough investigation of all the times. Well, the the, the obvious ones, the significant ones, the ones you remember seem to be, yeah. Yeah. Like and when Jephthah, we see... Jephthah, Hannah. Hannah. We have Paul having a vow. This is why it's on my mind because I've, mm-hmm. I've been yeah, in Yeah, because you're teaching Acts and Paul, has Paul a vow. goes under a vow there willingly. Right. And that word is UK, uh, which is defined as a statement to God. Right. 
Um, and there doesn't seem to be third parties in these. You know, when Hannah calls her oh. vow out to God, there's no third party with Jephthah also. So that's kind of how I was distinguishing it, but it's possible that that distinguishment does break down in practice as you could vow to somebody you know, in the sight of God, or in which case it would be pretty much like a swear or an oath. So those are our terms. I guess the question arises around our liberty inside this. If it's what the Bible says, is that we, we see it's a bad idea to do, <laughs> which I think is because we're liars and failures and sinners. But it seems like in certain cases there are vows that are right. For instance, the Nazarite vow, which was something inside of the law, a vow of separation unto God. Right. It seems like that could be a good thing. Well, a vow, a vow always calls for a performance. Right. You know, a vow, a vow calls for performance on the, the one making the vow. Yeah. So the so it raises that level of performance up pretty high beyond the normal fail to do of hamartia. You know, it seems like a more serious offense than simply missing the mark. Because you said you wouldn't miss the mark. Because knowing that you yourself are someone who does miss marks, you set it. And, by the way, you've set a mark that God didn't set. You set something otherwise lawful. You Right. You've added to your You've added mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for yourself to perform. So one area there that discusses that is Ecclesiastes 5, where it says, uh, Be not rash with your mouth, and let not your heart be hasty to utter anything. Don't make a rash vow. Yeah. For God is in heaven, and you are upon earth. Therefore, let your words be few. few. For a dream comes through the multitude of business, and a fool's voice is known by a multitude of words. When you vow a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Better is it that you shouldest not vow than that you shouldest vow and not pay. Right. And it goes on to say, suffer not your mouth to cause your flesh to sin, which oftentimes in, in a vow is what you're doing, right? It's something well, it, that you it's said. repeated, actually. In yeah. verse 5, it says, right over just immediately again. Right? In verse 5, it says, better is thou shouldest not vow than thou shouldest vow and not pay. Again, it says it. Isn't that doesn't that repeat it? Where verse four? Oh no, verse five. Slightly yeah, different. That's right. Better you should not vow than you should vow and not pay. Yeah, four five is like a different way of saying four, mm -hmm. or a more harsh way of saying. So there's a principle there: is like if you if you're going to vow and not perform, you shouldn't have taken the vow in the first place, right? Exactly. Which seems like there's your the sound advice, and that might. Does that then also apply to swearing? Which is an oath. Yeah, I mean, is, is well, oaths, the Lord can we says, treat them the same way? don't do that. He doesn't say don't take a vow. Mm. So one thing the Lord actually tells you not to do. Don't oath. Right. Now, the Lord took an oath right. to Abraham, right? So by the way, just— An uh, oath is always taken by one greater. To back that up, what you said, where it says don't do that. Two references that I can think of. Maybe you have more. Maybe there, there probably is more. But James 5, But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other yeah. oath, but let your yea be yea and your nay be nay, lest you fall into judgment. So there's right. that. Don't do it. Right? Don't swear. That's oathing. 
that's not cursing or, or vulgarity there. Um, and then also the Lord himself said it, I think, in the Beatitudes. Yes. Which is Matthew 5. I don't have yep. that in front of me. 532. Uh, but I say unto you that whosoever shall put... Oh, that's not it. Put away his wife. Uh, 34. Oh, there it is. But I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, neither by earth, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black, but let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay. For whatsoever is more than these comes of evil. So James seems to be repeating the Lord's teaching there. Yeah. And uh, when you, our, our courts, for example, acknowledge the, the conscience of that, although the judges seem ignorant of it, in our courts you can affirm Right. Which is to say your yes is yes and your no is no. You're not oathing. You affirm under penalty of perjury. But our judges do not seem to understand this as my experience is. Why is that? They just don't care? Or they, uh, yeah, I think they're mad just, about you know, it. it's, a, it's become a tradition and they're just, uh, you know. Yeah, it seems like a matter of course. You know, just another step in the process. I think we're getting the judges that we deserve, you know. Mm-hmm. Our judges are mean men, ordinary men, men of ordinary or lower character and ordinary or lower skill and attainment. Mm -hmm. As a rule, my experience has been that uh, our judges are uh, not very sharp guys and not very careful people. And even men of low character, some of extremely low character, sad to say. Mm. Yeah. Well, regardless of that, yeah. we, we ought not to do oathing. No. Now, we Christian do see some people oath, oathing. Shouldn't take oaths, shouldn't swear. What about there's no need, And There's no need to. There's no compulsion to. How about a promise? Is that That's like a, kind of like a weak You know, promises swear. are just a light form of that. Yeah. What's with the promise? You know? Let your yes be yes and your no be no. You shouldn't have to promise because. What about someone asks you to? I'm thinking of like, I feel like. Do you promise? Wasn't Abraham uh wasn't he provoked to promise something? I'm, I'm trying to. Uh, didn't Abimelech say, yeah, uh, swear to me? Well, Abraham said to his servant, you know, put your hand under my thigh and swear, you know. That's right. So. Some of that. So if you're if you're provoked to, it's almost like for someone else's conscience. It happens, you know, you uh, <laughs> sign does. promissory notes. Yeah. Promise to pay. I don't consider that to be an oath, right. swearing. Maybe more of an oath. Yeah. A vow, I mean. That may be a vow. When you, If you promise to pay something? Mm-hmm. For example, I think a promise is more of a vow hmm. than it is an oath. Can be anyway. suppose it can go either way. So, did you define everything, do you think, adequately? I think so. Maybe we just to to reiterate. There's a there seems to be a slight. It seems like swearing and oathing is pretty much the same idea. Mm-hmm. There seems to be a difference between vowing and oathing. There is. Where is it? Well, one is one is not exactly commended, but if but not forbidden. The other one's really forbidden. Yeah, and yet we see men of God doing it, and you know we also see men of God sinning. So. Just because you see, I think Peter. Just because somebody does it, it's Peter not swore. And and, and and by the way, 
the context of these things always have to be carefully examined to see whether this is, uh, you know, commended. Mm-hmm. Because they're certainly not commended. Even vows are not commended. They're allowed. Let's take the Nazarite vow because it seems like that's like a sanctified vow. Where it is. It's right there in the Leviticus. separate yourself out. Um, very specific things you cannot do if you've done the Nazarite vow. Uh, shave your head. You know, th- th- this just uh, as we talk about the Nazarite vow. Yeah, it brings to me the subject of teetotalism. Yeah, oh, because which is so popular. Don't drink any wine as part of the Nazarite vow, right? Yeah. Why would it be part of a vow if, if they a, never did it? If it was the standard, yeah. Why would it be part of a vow if? If you didn't drink wine, no, it's that, crazy to that, even think that it would be, right? And then people will say, well, that's non-alcoholic wine. And then you'll say, well, it also says grapes. So it says wine or grapes. So so why would it say it twice? Or strong drink. Yeah, which, which, by the way, everywhere else in the world is very easily known. I mean, right. commonly known. It's easily known here, too. You know, wine, strong drink, wine, or you know, whiskey. No vinegar of wine or vinegar of strong drink. Neither shall I drink any liquor of grapes, nor eat moist grapes or dried grapes. So raisins, no raisins. No. What's the reason for no raisin? <laughs> so yeah, nothing of the vine of the tree. Um, no razor come upon his head until the days be fulfilled. There's a so the Nazarite vow was a term vow, but. Then there are those who took it for life, Samson. Right. Or it was imposed upon him for life, actually. Yeah. He didn't do a very good job of it. Samuel, speaking of Hannah and vows, Samuel also, she said that a razor would never touch his head. Yeah. Was that because he was a Nazarite, or is that just she just— She Nazarited him. She Nazarited him. So is Samuel also like a lifer, Nazarite? Right. That's why I don't understand. And no touching a dead body, which means when he hacked Agag to pieces, he must not have touched him. Huh. Remember where he hewed Agag to pieces? Yeah. Yeah. Just don't touch him afterwards. I guess. (laughs) Or he broke his vow. Yeah. So let's look at at Paul's vow. Okay. Because he had a few things going on. First of all, he had to get to Jerusalem. I'm talking about and I Acts think that's what he took the vow about. 18. Was he vowed that he go to Jerusalem? Maybe all the way to Rome. Hmm. I think to understand Paul's vow, which confuses lots of people, like why is he doing that? Right. Goes all the way back to his call. In Acts 9? Yeah. How so? Um, yeah, Paul's life unfolds out of uh, right early book of Acts, which I trust you've Mm-hmm. You've been explaining to the church. You know, I'm not there because uh, for the listen for those who listen and can't possibly understand why it is I don't hear your teaching in the book of Acts live. It's because you're because I'm down to. with the children. Because oh, you always get up and leave as soon as I'm ready to talk. I took a whole group with me last time. <laughs> Let's get out of here. It was a youth movement. But. Uh, this is where he says, I'll show him the things he must suffer for my namesake. Uh, yeah, he says that. That's not all he says. He says, uh, Lord says to him, verse 15, Acts nine fifteen, The Lord said to him, go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me 
to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Yeah. So he has to... Prophetic statement there about his life. That's a prophetic statement about his life that he has to fulfill, and and, uh, he... um, that's not lost on him at all. Of course, in uh, if I can jump ahead of probably where you are, in Acts 23, mm-hmm. the Lord says to Paul, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou testified me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. There we have the kings and the children of Israel, right? But right. This is after cha- Acts chapter 19. But in Acts chapter 19... It says um, this is uh, this is Paul's after he's in Ephesus. Mm-hmm. It says in in t- verse twenty one, after these things were ended, Paul purposed in the spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem, saying, after I've been there, I must also see Rome. Yeah. So you see, he purposes to that, which then, he says in the the epistle to the Romans that he. Very much desired to Once, be there. Yeah. Yeah. But Satan has... It had hindered him there too, but he's not ashamed of the gospel. Right. Know, he wants to unloose the dynamite of the Word of God among the smarty pants and of those smarty pants in Rome. And, of course, it's to fulfill his whole purpose. So... So you think his vow may have been specifically that he would return to Jerusalem or to... Paul purposed in his heart so he became convinced that the time had come he'd been to Jerusalem before yeah but now the time had come to fulfill and finish his ministry I think he became aware of what it was so what's with the head shaving in his case was that like a well that that's to commemorate a, the vow maybe that's part of the Jewish vow, shave the head. That was so, part of it. So some people think that this is a Nazarite vow, but uh, the Nazarite uh, vow, you don't shave your head until you ruin it's it. It's not a Nazarite vow at all. The Nazarite vow is the opposite. I won't shave my head. Who who says it's a Nazarite vow? Well, you know, the internets. Those people. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, it's, no, it's not. So he puts himself under a vow and purposes in his heart to do something. He will fulfill his vow. Mm. Got to ask him what his vow is. I can't See those him. other guys that they put him with later on are also under a vow. Yeah, in Acts twenty one, there's. I don't know what their vow is. Yeah, maybe it's just some religious thing. Who knows? Right. They're just trying to but, protect him at that point. But so is there? Is the shaving of the head? Is that a traditional thing? Yeah, it's a it's a Jewish thing. Because. In the vow, in for instance, the Nazarite vow, the shaving of the head is when you Forbidden. fail. Yeah, after you fail, no shaving it's of part the of the cleansing at the end. No shaving of the head. Yeah. It could be the temporary Nazarite vow. They shave their head to begin with and then just don't shave it from you know while they're under the vow. Mm. Maybe to kickstart it and then get a go good from start. There. Yeah. It could very well be that. But it doesn't say even the vow. The scripture doesn't say it's the Nazarite vow. No, it doesn't. Neither does it say the vow so that we would think, what vow is the vow? Oh, the Nazarite vow. It's just a vow. Mm-hmm. You know, it's his own vow. This is the one he better keep. Yeah. And that he was said. commended not to do. You know what I mean? Don't make a vow. You don't have to vow. 
Is there a benefit to vowing then? Well, <laughs> sometimes like Hannah. Benefit would, to whom? Well, like for instance, Hannah's vow resulted in great blessings. She had no children. She vowed her vow. God blessed her in that. She fulfilled her vow because she gave Samuel to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And then she ended up with, you know, a bunch of kids. Of course, he was, ra- he was raised by, you know, more by Eli than. Right. But Hannah was blessed in that she had then yes. multiple kids later. So yeah. you could say, well, was that because she performed her vow? Was the Lord going to give her those kids anyways? I don't know. But in that particular case, it seems like the fulfillment of the vow. I mean, she called out to God and he, and he met her. Now, she also vowed. Was the vow, you know, was that part of her? I mean, it, it led to her being blessed greatly, but it's Therefore, not. if you want God to bless you, make a vow? No, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not concluding anything. I'm just, I'm wondering if, you know, it's not forbidden. No. We see people doing it. We see how important it is if you do it to follow through. Otherwise, you're basically yeah. causing yourself to sin before God. Um, but it's like it if, seems to happen. It seems to occur in at certain. It seems to be the thing to do at certain important junctures of one's life. Yeah, or in some uh, but it's life. totally voluntary. And even the reason and purposes of the vows are not documented. There's nowhere it says if you're childless, vow a vow, right. etc. It's not like a formula for a for a certain. It's not called end. for. Uh, and yet people do it. The Jacob was the first to vow, right? Jacob, yeah, made a vow. You know, if you'll lead me and take care of me, you'll be my God. Is that Genesis? Do you know where that is? Twenty. Mm, I can find it real quick. Twenty-eight. Yep, Genesis twenty-eight twenty. Somewhere there. Okay. So, you know, this is kind of a hard thing because um, it's the loud, which means there may be some working of heart that calls it forth, and you just don't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. But it's not prescribed. It is not prescribed or proscribed, either one. And yeah, prescribed. It's just said. It's just that if you do it. Uh, if you make a vow, you keep it. Mm-hmm. So let's turn then to our American tradition of marriage vows. Well, I wanted to say one more thing. Okay, go ahead. A vow calls forth God's performance on your behalf. You perform and he performs. Right. Huh. So if I do this, you'll do this kind of thing. Wonder what the Lord's performance was for Paul's vow. It's private. Well, because we don't know exactly the contents of his vow, yeah. but he did get before the Jews who rejected him, and he appealed to Caesar. You know, there's people that when you get to that part of Acts, there's a lot. You know, internet. There's people that criticize Paul for appealing to Caesar because right, because he was. Because this wicked man says, had he not appealed to Caesar, he might have been set free. No, he been, or he yeah, maybe. Been, he might have been killed right yeah, there. Yeah, or you might have just killed him on the spot, you right. wicked man. Yeah. Plus, he had he had purpose and heart to go to Rome. So Exactly. Like, that's how he got his ticket. Exactly. Another interesting use of that word, of the Greek word, 
UK, which is is translated vow twice, Acts 18, which we referenced. It's also translated prayer once, and that's in James 5, uh, 14 and 15, where it says, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with the oil of the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And that word, the prayer of faith, the vow, is the vow. Uh, which is interesting because you are, in that case, they are calling on the Lord to perform something, but they aren't necessarily promising. You know what I'm saying? Like it's like, it's a. That's interesting. It's an expression of God's to God's performance, so it's kind of a type of prayer, which is kind of how a hand. But but it. you see that vows take place in the context of your prayer life. I mean, yeah, it's communication to God, right? So it's prayer. Yeah. Hmm. All right, so now let's go to our common American tradition of marriage vows. Yeah, which this is this is very interesting. Uh, I'm probably uh, I know I, I I swim against the tide in this because it is uh, it is becoming traditional for fiancés to write vows promising all manner of stuff. Right. Well, they don't do that with my advice. My advice is uh, marriage is hard enough. Don't go promising a bunch of uh, amazement. Don't promise a bunch of extra stuff. I advised you in your marriage. You did. Didn't I advise you guys against writing your own vows? Yes. Were you about to do it? No. Was was your wife about to do it? I don't think so. I I cannot. You don't remember nor saying, deny. Let's write our own vows. It'd be really cool. No, I don't think that happened. Because that's where it usually comes from. You know, this yeah. woman has a good idea. Let's write vows, and let's promise all kinds of things to each other. I will love you with my whole heart. I will, you know. And there's never practical things like I tell people. It's never practical things like I'll make dinner every night. Mm-hmm. No, it's very uh No, I think if you, you know, if you talk to potential married people and say, okay, so you'll make dinner, will you vow for that? No, I'm not going to make that vow. But I think marriage vows, you know, it, they, there is this is there is this willing acceptance of performance, right? Mm-hmm. Ma- marriage requires fidelity. Right. And, you know, according to the Bible, it, it requires different, it calls forth different promises from either party. It yeah. calls forth a, a promise for the man to lead and be the head of the house and uh, be the protector and, you know, and provider. And, and for a woman to submit and... Know, bear children if God will give them and raise them, perform her role that way. So, you know, this new tradition of write your own vows, people don't pay any attention to the scripture, and then they will put up, they'll, typically they'll put on themselves that which is not required in marriage, and they will perhaps not put on themselves that which is required in marriage. Mm-hmm. When people write their own vows, and I've attended weddings where they do, I rarely hear a woman vow to submit to her husband. Rarely hear that one. In mm. fact, 
Have I ever heard it? Yeah, I did. I did hear one, but rare. That's a very rare thing. I also rarely hear a man vow to fulfill the requirements of headship in the in the family that scripture would call forth. So, I have discovered over the years that historically there are people who have set pen to paper and done a pretty good job of putting together what, what I call traditional vows. Mm-hmm. And once upon a time, many years ago, I suppose Is that one. the uh, better or worse, sicker or poor type stuff? What's that? Better or worse, sicker or poor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. About 25 years ago, I read several books that that I appreciate, some that I, I read some books that I didn't like very much, and I read some books that I like quite a bit. And I put together, you know, traditional vows, wrote them down, and those are the ones that I recommend people use when, when I solemnize their marriage. But, yeah, it's, you know, till death do us part. You want to remind people the different conditions that are going to come up because typically marriages are between young, healthy people. Mm. And I can assure you that, you know, the conditions of marriage – alter in such a way as to strain the maintenance of that bond, you know? Yeah. Sickness and health is, is a big one, you know? Richer and poor. These are, the, these are the reasons people get divorced, right? Richer and poor, mm-hmm. bang, they're divorced. Sickness and in health. These are, um, you know, the stresses of life and the challenges of life. Uh, economic conditions, health conditions, other psychological and emotional conditions arise such that uh, the the marriage bond is truly tested and faithful. It's it's commitment and faithfulness is what carries through the marriage, not maybe some of the other things that brought it together. Yeah. So – you know, and then, then you'll find people that promise things for eternity. Have you ever heard that? You know, for all eternity and stuff like. That. <laughs> no. no, this is you know, marriage. You know, when it, when you when you one of the parties dies, that's it. No more marriage. And they're not married anymore. Right. In some of my counseling of widows, it seems like seems like the guys are always dying first. But in some of my counseling of widows, I'll I'll tell them, look, you're not married anymore. You have the memory of your husband, but that's just he's not your husband anymore. Mm-hmm. You are now single. And it takes time for it's a hard actually, pill to swallow. Excuse me? I said, I'm sure that's a hard pill to swallow. Well, it takes time to adjust to, the, to that fact for a woman, yeah, or I suppose for a man too, but for a woman it just seems to be a special adjustment. That, uh, you know, that condition of life is gone. Yeah. And I'm now, you know, not under his headship and I have to find my way. Yeah. Reminds me of uh, Robin Williams' character in Goodwill Hunting. Remember, he was a widower. Yeah. And he just kept saying, My wife's dead, you know, because the whole question was, Why, why aren't you? He was still living yeah. as if married. And he, he just couldn't kept, seem he to He couldn't recover. let go. Yeah. Until the end and whatever, but 
that was a movie. The point being is that if you consider, if you keep thinking in that way, my wife is dead and not, I'm not married anymore. You probably have a harder time letting. I go. see what you're saying. Yeah, you know, when you say when you when you keep thinking that that it, that there is still this person that is your spouse, right? Yeah, you tend to have a harder time letting go. I've never actually seen that in person for that that thing that was pictured in the movie. And that's why I refer to a movie because that was my best reference of it. Yeah, I've never I've that. never seen a guy struggling. That usually guys just die. They just die first, or they die right away after they lose their wife. That mm -hmm. happens a lot. You know, they just, yeah. they just can't ever find their life again, and bang, they're dead. Sounds w bad. Women seem to survive better, you know, after a marriage than men do. Yeah. All right. Anything else to uh, say on vowing, oathing, swearing, or promising? Well, it's easy, you know, just to re recapsulate, it's easy to avoid swearing. I mean, uh, it's, you don't do it. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. Yeah. And uh, there are, there is a lot of pressure by the world to take O's and uh, it can lead to very, uh, very unsavory, even, it can even lead to participation in witchcraft. So, really take these things seriously. These are, these are really serious topics.